Well, now we see all these flags. We see all these flags. We're at Psalm 126. I said a while ago, I don't believe there's any problem in America that God can't solve. I, don't believe, I believe all the help we need, God can provide. And I, listen, I believe God can send as big a revival to America right now. I believe God can send as big a revival to America as this world has ever seen. There's 12 great awakenings in the Old Testament. One of them was in a place called Nineveh when a reluctant preacher named Jonah, he was kind of reluctant to go, but he went. And without a sound system, without a church sponsorship, without any modern transportation, he went over there. And I'll tell you, that whole place seemed to get right with God, started making commitments and covenants with God. And how God touched Nineveh, it's amazing. You've got to read in the Bible. Jonah only takes 10 minutes to read. It's fantastic. The book of Jonah. Well, so what is it our, our country really, 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 really needs? Is it a better economy? Well, the economy's doing pretty well. Of course, we've got $22 trillion in debt. That's bad. But the economy this past Thursday, the, the um, stock market hit brand new record, highest it's ever been. Record low unemployment. Is the greatest need in America economic? No. No. Well, is the greatest need a stronger military? Well, no. I think I believe in a strong military. I believe in it. But no, strong military is not the greatest need. What is an education? That's not the biggest need. The biggest need in America is the gospel of Jesus Christ to be given to everybody in our country. Everyone in America needs to get saved. If we're going to save America, Americans need to get saved. All right, who's going to win these folk to Christ? It's got to be us. It's got to be us. We have got to be soul winners. He that winneth souls is wise. Let's see what the Bible says. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Wow. The title of tonight's sermon, the message is, Learning to Be a Soul Winner. Learning to Be a Soul Winner. I've got a few opening remarks. Opening remark number one. One way that we know ourselves that we're saved is if we have a big desire to see other people saved. Amen. Forgive me for needing some water. My, my voice is hurting tonight. One way we can know we're saved is if we have a big desire for others to be saved. The night I received Christ in my service was a Thursday evening. And that night, I was an eight-year-old boy. I went to a citywide crusade, 12 Baptist churches working together, trying to see everybody in my city come to Jesus Christ. I'd never been to church in my life. And um, I went, and I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and on Thursday night, the fourth night of the crusade, I received Christ as my Savior. And the first night he preached that I heard was he preached on hell. He preached on hell for about an hour. The only reliable source of information about hell is his Bible. And he preached the Bible about hell. And I wanted to be saved, and someone talked me out of it. But by the grace of God, I came back the next night. And he preached on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I went forward and received Christ. 
And the night I received Christ as my Savior, boy, I want to see everybody in my family get saved. I want to see all my friends get saved. I want to see everybody at the school that I went to get saved. Man, I had known that I was on my way to hell, and now I was saved and on my way to heaven. I wanted everyone to be saved. Amen. That's what God wants to do. It's for everyone to receive Christ. And God has provided salvation for everyone. Well, if you've got a big desire to see folks saved, that's a pretty good evidence that you're saved. And um, opening comment number two. Huh. I wrote it down this way. We should not only keep the faith, but we should share the faith. I have people say to me, Brother Fox, keep the faith, man. Keep the faith, Brother Fox. And I know what they mean. They mean, Brother Fox, do not turn your back on God. Brother Fox, stay on the firing line. Do not backslide, Brother Fox. Stay on fire for God, Brother Fox. And I appreciate people saying that to me. And I need to keep the faith, and you need to keep the faith too. However, I don't just need to keep the faith. I need to share the faith. I need to tell others about my faith in Jesus Christ and how they need to put their faith in Jesus Christ too. Everywhere we go, just sharing our faith with others. And then I wrote down number three, opening comment. Frankly, we're not wise unless we're trying to win others to Christ. He that wins souls is wise. Frankly, we're not wise. We are not wise unless we're trying to win people to Christ. I told the Sunday school class about one of the businessmen that I coached that he made $3.1 million last year. Personally, that's what he made. Great. I had a conversation with him just a few days ago. And I said to him, I said, you know something? I don't care how much money you make. If you're not trying to win souls, you're not wise. Making $3 million a year, that's amazing. Rarely has anybody that I've known made that kind of money. Well, in fact, that might be the only guy I know personally like that that made that much money at 40 years old. Wow, that's pretty big. That's amazing. But he needs to be trying to win souls, doesn't he? Because now, look, he, he, gets, to, he gets to be friends with a category of people that I'm not friends with with you know I mean I'm not a multi-millionaire now maybe you are <laughs> but you know uh, that's a different category and those people are hard to win to Christ for example last year about a year ago something like that they named Kate Spade Kate Spade who had designer handbags how many of you ladies know who I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about yeah I mean, I'm not into designer handbags at all. That's not me, okay? So I didn't even know who she was, but I heard on the news that she had committed suicide and that her business had done a billion dollars in business, a billion with a B. And here at 50-something years old with one of her designer scarves, hung herself. And I thought, who witnessed to Kate Spade? Who told her about the Lord? You know, it's hard to get to those kind of folks. But somebody should have taken the gospel to her, shouldn't they? Everyone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone in the world needs someone to tell them about Jesus and how they can be saved. 
So why should we win souls? Because of the value of a soul. How valuable is a soul? Well, let's see. Can you buy one? Oh, no. They're priceless. Everyone in here has one, and it's unique. You have one. You don't have a bunch of them. You have one. But every person on the earth has a soul, and every soul is going to be somewhere forever. Every soul. See, souls are durable. Souls are durable. A few days ago, 10 days ago or so, I had to replace my water heater at my house. Man, I think it lasted about 20 years. That's, that's really good. Did it last forever? No. Second law of thermodynamics. What is it? Everything falling apart. <laughs> yeah, your car falls apart. House falls apart. Yourself falls apart. You know, everything's falling apart. But that soul is not falling apart. That soul's going to last forever. It's either going to be in heaven forever or it's going to be in hell forever. Every soul in Kingsport, Johnson City, all these cities around us, every soul in Tennessee, every soul in the whole world is going to be someplace forever. We've got to win souls. Now, why should we win souls? Because of the value. Because of Jesus' commission. Jesus commissioned us to win souls. He told us to win souls. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach them what? The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Tell everybody. You can't witness to the wrong person. You cannot witness to the wrong person. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. And um, we're commissioned. I was out soul winning in, um, in Norfolk, Virginia. The biggest city in Virginia is Norfolk, Virginia, as far as population. 265,000 people. And uh, I had, had set up a tent on a very um, populated area there in Norfolk and on Ward's Corner. And, uh, man, we're just going up and down everywhere trying to get folks to come to the tent meeting, the gospel meeting. So I went through this apartment complex. And then I went through another apartment complex. As I was coming out of the second apartment complex, the manager, the lady manager of the second apartment complex came out and said, Hey! You're not allowed to do this. I said, well, ma'am, I just finished. <laughs> I said, well, ma'am, I picked up pizza boxes while I went through. I tidied up. I wasn't rude to any of your tenants. I said, but ma'am, you've got to understand I've been commissioned to do this. And I wasn't being a smart aleck when I said that. Never represent the Lord as a smart aleck. Amen to that. But I said, it's what came to my mind. I believe the Holy Spirit had me say it. I said, but ma'am, you've got to understand, I've been commissioned to do this. She said, you've been commissioned? I said, yes, ma'am, I have. <laughs> I said, we want you to come to the meeting. I said, if all of your people will come to this meeting and all of them get saved, you'll have a better apartment complex. That's true. And uh, seven, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of her people came that very night. Look. You, you can't witness the wrong people. And we've been commissioned to tell everybody. Everywhere a Christian goes, we're supposed to be telling folks about the Lord. And by the way, think about the reward of winning souls to Christ. Now, if you could, if you could cure cancer, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? That would be wonderful if you could cure cancer. Uh, if you could bring peace to the Middle East, <laughs> that would be great. No one's been able to do that. 
if you could pay off that national debt we was talking about. That would help us, you know. Better than all of that. Hey, better than paying off the national debt, better than curing cancer, better than bringing peace to the Middle East, better than all of that, is leading someone to Jesus Christ. Seeing a soul saved is greater than all those things I stated, talked about. Oh, it's better, it's better. The reward, there's no greater joy in this world than leading someone to Christ. I got to lead someone to Christ this past Wednesday or Thursday. It was Thursday. Thursday. It's wonderful getting to lead folks to Christ. So I've got three little points for you tonight. All that was just introduction. <laughs> Relax. I know what time it is. Uh, we're going to have one of those meetings to midnight. Y'all okay with that? Hello? <laughs> got one sure out here. No, we're going to, we, we've got three little points for you. Three C's. As a memory device, three C's. Dear Lord, help us. Look at our text. They that so, they that so. Point number one, if we're going to be soul winners, number one, we've got to be committed. They that so, got to make a commitment, got to do it on purpose. We must be committed. We must be an intentional soul winner. Let's make up our minds tonight, church, that every one of us are going to try to tell somebody about Jesus Christ this week. Amen to that? Yes, all of us telling a neighbor, telling a co-worker, and man, there's all kinds of opportunities. Seize those opportunities and tell someone about the Lord. Be intentional about it. Set a goal. Set a goal to witness this week. Set a goal maybe to witness every single day this week. Make a prayer list of lost uh, friends, lost neighbors. Make a prayer list. And then establish a plan for you to witness to them. For example, for example, my dad and I for the last several years, my dad and I for the last several years, we host a monthly party for everybody in our family and all the friends that we want to invite over. I pay for all of the food. We play games. We cater the event. I mean, it. It's really nice. Once a month, 10, 11, or 12 times per year, me and my dad have this, this family party. Woo, it's fun, and the food is good. We'll play on that Wii program. We'll bowl with each other. We'll play uh, Uno over there, and there'll be all kind of games going on. It's fun, man. It is a great time. Do I preach it? No, no. I let my dad talk to him. My dad, 85 years old, everybody loves him. He's just been so good to everybody. Now he can barely read. He's a common man. But I've seen my dad, I've seen my dad just grow and grow and grow as a Christian. And even members of our family that are not saved. They love him. And we're trying to win everybody in our family to Christ. And one thing that we're doing on purpose is we have this monthly party. And at the end of our party, we let Pop talk to us about the Lord. 
You think of a plan. You come up with a plan. You do something. Make up your mind. Take someone out to eat. Uh, invite people to church. Bring them into your house. Play games. Feed them some ice cream. Do something. But make a plan and, and do it. Go ahead and let your light shine for Jesus. See every lost soul as a potential brother or sister in Christ. Now I want to talk about something here. Hey, if you're listening, say amen. amen. It is not enough. It is not enough to lead an exemplary Christian life. That's not enough. See, Brother Fox, the way I win souls, the way I witness is I lead an exceptional Christian life in front of others. That's how I witness. It's not enough. It's not enough. People don't get saved by watching your exceptional Christian life. In fact, we're not exceptional Christians unless we're telling folks about Jesus. We're just not. We're not exceptional Christians unless we are witnesses. The Bible is clear that we are His witnesses, that we are to testify to others about the saving grace. So uh, being an exceptional Christian, that's not enough. No, no. Um, this is what they said about Jesus. <laughs> Let me tell you what they said about Jesus. Luke chapter 15, verse 2. They said about Jesus, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You know what Jesus was doing? He was reaching little Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He wasn't. Guess who got saved? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The greatest business in all the world is the soul winning business. And that's what Jesus was doing with little old Zacchaeus. He was a little cheater. Zacchaeus, come down. He's up in that sycamore tree. I'm coming to your house today. Yeah, and Zacchaeus, I believe Zacchaeus got saved. Number one, we've got to be committed soul winners. Got to be committed to it. Now let's look at the text again. They that sow in what? Look at your Bible. Verse 5, they that sow in what? Tears. They that sow in tears. First C was committed. Second C, compassion. We must be compassionate soul winners. Compassionate soul winners. We should be broken hearted for the lost. Lost people. Can you believe they did that? Oh, they're just acting like lost people. We ought to be broken hearted for them. We ought to see souls as God sees souls. This year in March, by the grace of God, I was able to go to the vice president's office. He has a Bible study. Vice President Pence, the day after he was elected as vice president, he said to his assistant, he said, hey, every Wednesday at noon I'm going to have a Bible study in the vice president's office, and every Wednesday at noon I want to be able to invite anybody I want to come. <clears throat> and he did it. It's the first time something like that's been done in the White House. And this past March, I was able to go in there and tell my testimony how I'd received Christ as my Savior. That's amazing. I'm so happy about that. There's 60 White House folk in the office because 
It's just by, it's, it's by volunteer. You just go to the Bible study if you want to. There's folks who work in the White House that they don't love the Lord. But I was sitting there before uh, giving my testimony. I was sitting there and had a little cup of water, drinking water. And uh, it had, had the seal of the vice president, a little plastic cup. I took that hu- cup, cup home with me. <laughs> I showed my wife. I said, look at this. I'm not sleeping with it anymore, but that night I believe I slept with it. I'm like, man, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> but I'm sitting there drinking my water and eating a cookie, and I'm sitting beside this man. I said, my name's Byron Fox. He told me his name. I said, I'm going to give him a testimony. He said, uh, he said well, I'm, I'm one of the White House lawyers. I said, that's wonderful. He said, sir, I got saved when I was 19 years old. I'm getting to testify to me. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. I remember the first time I went into Nancy Pelosi's office. And listen, I have an opinion on every policy. I'm a man. I have a policy on everything, even things I don't know anything about, I've got an opinion on. (laughs) I didn't go to Nancy Pelosi's office to talk policy. Nancy Pelosi, Jesus died for her. It's God's will for Nancy Pelosi to get saved. Lord, have compassion. Talking about the vice president, uh, there's a, a TV program called The View. I never, ever watch The View. Maybe you love it. I'm not into that. Lady on there named Joy Behar. Joy Behar mocked the vice president. Sometime back, she must have mental issues. Now, he talked to Jesus, and Jesus talked to him. She said all that, and they interviewed the vice president later that day. And really for himself, he didn't take umbrage. But it had bothered him that she sort of alleged all of us Christians have mental issues. To Joy Behar's credit, she called the vice president and apologized. And he accepted. The next day, Joy Behar got on The View, and I watched it on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and see her apology. And she said this to begin with. She said, first off, I am a Christian. I heard that, and I thought, ma'am, you show no evidence of being a Christian. But let me tell you something. It's God's will for Joy Behar to be a Christian. Jesus loves Joy Behar. And listen, we need to have some compassion. Now, I, I want to stand up for righteousness. Amen to that. At the same time, I want to try to win lost folks to Christ. It's our job to try to win folks to Christ. Share the gospel. We need to be compassionate soul winners. Number one, we need to be committed. Number two, compassionate. And lastly, we need to be confident soul winners. Look what the scripture says. Now, Follow along in the Bible and see if I get this right. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. Let's see how I do. They that sow in tears might reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, possibly will come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. How did I do? Oh, it says shall, doesn't it? It actually says shall. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. That's amazing. 
He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We could have some confidence in what? Confidence in the word. Confidence in the word. Uh, you know, I've taught soul winning classes at our church and um, at our God Bless America rallies. We have days of teaching how to be soul winners. And, and uh, our most recent um, uh, God Bless America rally was in Canton, Ohio, back uh, the first week of May. Over 200 folks saved in that meeting. Amazing. Amazing. But our people were soul winners. They were going soul winning. They were telling folks about the Lord. Um, each night we had a different color guard came and led the flags in and all that sort of thing. And each night I had Todd Monaghan, mixed martial arts champion, who's been saved now for seven years. I had him eat supper with the, with the color guard each night. Guess what he started doing? Leading them to Christ. We brought in different groups. And at supper time, he'd tell them how seven years ago he was a drug dealer and he was a mixed martial arts champ, champ in the whole world. But he didn't know Christ. And he began leading folk to Christ. Our people began leading folk to Christ. We had days of prayer and we had days of, of fasting. And we saw God answer prayer. We saw people saved, born again. Let me tell you something. You can have confidence in the gospel. On Friday night of the God Bless America rally, we had one more night. On Friday night, a, a lady got saved, a young lady. And she came and Todd Monaghan and myself and Scott Pauley, the three of us evangelists were working together in this meeting. And she begged us to go try to win her family to Christ. And her family was, I can't tell you the details, but total, total chaos. The devil, listen, he wants every family to be a bungled mass of confusion. And boy, I'm telling you, that, that, that whole family, some of them had uh, warrants against each other and they had restraining orders. And Man, it was awful, completely awful. And the three of us evangelists said, we're going to pray through the night. And we sent Todd over there. I went another direction trying to win souls. Scott went another one and Todd went to try to win that family to Christ. He got there, knocked on the door. There was Mama and she was the ringleader. He said, my name is Todd Monaghan, somebody who cares very much for you. Asked me to come and try to win you to Christ. She said, well, I'm already saved. He said, well, tell me how you're saved. And she gave some answer about, well, I try to be good and all that. He said, ma'am, I'll just be honest with you. That answer, if that's what you've got, you're going to go straight to hell. I mean, Todd just shot straight with a heart full of compassion. That lady broke down. The Holy Spirit began to work, and she got saved. And then they went to another family member and they got saved. By the, by the time the rally got there, several of those family members had received Christ as Savior. How'd they do that? The power of the gospel. The power of the Bible. It's not our little clever cliches. You know, uh, you know I, I try to use good grammar. I've been working on it. I mean, when you come from lightning bug holler, you don't really know good grammar. You don't even know all proper English. I use words like ort. <laughs> First time I preached, I used the word ort. A man came to me and said, 
Sir, how do you spell that? I said, well, you ought to know. <laughs> I didn't say that to him. <laughs> I figured he ought to know how to spell it. Um, I've learned grammar a little bit since then. Been really working on it. But the power is not in the grammar. That's not where the power is. My word shall not return void. Oh, you can have some confidence in the gospel. The, the, the worst sinner there is, the, the, the person whose life is total disarray, Jesus Christ can save them. He has the power that he can do that. Last July the 1st, it was a Sunday evening. I'd done a Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon service. I got on a plane. I was flying from Newburn, North Carolina to Charlotte. Got on a plane. 17-year-old Jessica was sitting there. And she had a Bible. I said, hey, is that a Bible? She said, yes, sir. I said, may I see it? I got her Bible. I said, hey, you've been reading this. She'd been marking in it. I said, wow, you've been reading this. She said, sir, uh, 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 I got that at my high school graduation in May. So two months before, few, just weeks before, we were on the plane together. Someone had given her a Bible at her high school graduation. I said, did you go to a Christian school? She said, no, I went to public school. She said, but there's a man out there giving these away, and I got one. I said, that's amazing. I said, are you a Christian? She said, well... 17-year-old Jessica said to me, said, well, I've dedicated my life to God. I said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, are you saved? She said, you mean like a coupon? What do you mean? Like a coupon code? You mean are saved? I said, oh, Jessica, saved is a Bible word. And I took her Bible and began going through the Bible with her and talking with her about how to be born again, how to have her sins forgiven. As I was doing that, she said, you know, my dad says that Bible's stupid. My dad said that if somebody in here is swallowed by a fish, my dad said that's just silly and stupid. I said, oh, Jessica, that really happened. It was a preacher named Jonah, and I took her through the book of Jonah. I just took her through the Bible. Can I tell you something? She is very easy to lead to Christ because the Bible had already been doing the work. I got off the plane in Charlotte, got on another plane to fly to Philadelphia. One hour and six minute flight. I'm flying, I get seated right beside Bruce. Bruce is 23 years old. Bruce has just gotten out of jail. He'd been in jail for 94 straight days for doing something ridiculous. And he said, man, I've got to straighten my life out. I said, you do need a fresh start. He said, that's exactly what I need. I said, I know how you can get it. And I took this Bible and I showed him how to be saved. And about one hour and four minutes into that flight, Bruce received Christ as his Savior. And I took a selfie with him. I said, come on, let's take a picture together. I said, I want your cell phone number and I'm going to get you mine. I've been staying in touch, texting with Bruce. By the way, the American airline, the American airline worker came to me directly after Bruce got saved. American airline worker came and said, you've talked about personal things this entire flight. 
I said, sir, are you telling everybody on this plane to stop talking about personal things, or are you just telling me that? I don't let the roll-off came out of me, preacher. I think he got upset because a man had received Christ. I went to that American airline worker afterwards, and I said, I apologize. I spoke back to you in a striking way, and I'm, I apologize. Please forgive me for that. I said, but I am not going to apologize that I told that boy about Jesus Christ. I will not apologize for that. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, all of us must be telling everybody about Jesus. Amen. And you can have some confidence that according to this word, everybody in the world can receive Christ as their Savior. All right. Right now, let me ask you some questions. And let's kind of look around as I ask these questions. How many of you have a member of your family that is lost? Cousin, brother, sister, child, mom and dad. Raise your hands if you have a lost family member. I do. Raise them high. Let's look around. Most everybody. All right. How many of you have a, a co-worker that you're pretty sure is lost? Would you raise a hand? Oh, yeah, hands all over the room. How many of you all have some neighbors you're pretty sure are lost? Would you raise a hand? Oh, yeah. Neighbors, co-workers, family members. How many of you all have some friends that you think are lost? Yeah, that's all of us too. All right. Who's going to tell them? I know who needs to tell them. Me and you. I hope some soul winner comes by. But I'll tell you, in the last 20, we've owned the house we live in now 26 years. Last 26 years, two times we've had people come by our house to find out if we're saved. Two times. I live within one hour's drive of 60 independent Baptist churches. Two times in 26 years. Two times. Somebody's come by my house to find out if I was saved. We got to go, don't we? Would you stand with me?